The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Tonight on an all-new Monsterland, everybody was pre-show fighting. Is Oak Island haunted? Ronnie finally gets his hands around those orbs. I drop an F-bomb on national TV. Tonight we are all patriots, and this show will have a very happy ending. Let's go! Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland Podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts, paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc, and the host of The Curse of Oak Island Drilling Down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Greetings, Ronald. Hey, Matthew. How are you? This is Monsterland, the show where we try to figure out what's going on in the world of the paranormal by looking at our own backyard. You're not supposed to make um, current event jokes on a podcast. That's like what they say because <laughs> yeah. people listen to them at all different times. It's supposed to be evergreen. But uh, breaking here in New England, of course, is Ooh. the news that uh, Robert Kraft is uh, an American hero. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Bri? It brings to mind the Hugh Grant story. Oh, does it? Because my wife said, Yoko, my beloved Yoko, <laughs> and I know you love your beloved wife, the beautiful Amy. My, yes, I'll give her a shout out right mm. now. Sweetness, Amy. My beloved Yoko said to me, uh, he's a billionaire. Why is he going into a <laughs> $80 massage parlor to get a uh, happy ending massage? And I said, oh, Yoko, I'll remind you that Hugh Grant was married to the most gorgeous woman to ever walk the planet, and in her prime, Liz Hurley. Yes. No better looking woman on the planet. Maybe as good looking, but no one better looking. And in her prime, had her pulled over, picked up a six foot three transvestite hooker. <laughs> Men. That's some, the answer. Some say Kraft should be employing the Hugh Grant aw shucks apology. <laughs> Remember when he went on Leno? and just kind of went, oh, shucks. We don't know that he did it. Right at this point, as we record this, I mean, the police are saying there's video, but what if it's a Mr. Kraft doppelganger? No. What I what I don't get is that the police identified him, asked for his identification the mm-hmm. first time. Okay. The second time he went back, he goes and back the, the next. So day. why did oh, he? No. How, yeah. What the hell? How did you even get to the second time? The first time should have been like, don't come back. But he came back. I again. have a very close relationship. <laughs> he probably. You know, uh, that <laughs> nice officer was just asking me for my autograph that day. I like how he hugged her. The police report came out today. He hugged her. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. I have, um, the, I have the, Maddie, if you will, I have the new Pat's uh, slogan. Yeah. We beat everybody on the field. Who cares who beats us off? Oh, wow. no. Thank no. <laughs> no. For those of you who don't know, uh, Robert Kraft is uh, New England Patriots, blah, blah, blah. All right. Um <clears throat> So, you know, lesson learned, don't don't go to... Now I'm paranoid because Yoko actually got me a $50 massage for Christmas, uh, and it's at, a, it's at an Asian... Uh, does it have orchid Nail salon. It kind of does, yes. It's So I now I don't want to go. Because what if they do that there? What if they do do that there? Yeah. And my name goes on their list because I had a gift certificate, and but I don't get that, but my name's as shown as going through that door. <laughs> 
The types of establishment that offer those extra services, uh, I don't think they print gifts, gift certificates. These are these all are right, these are, right, these are right, not. Right, thank you. Okay. I imagine your beloved Yoko got you a <laughs> yeah. somewhat upscale place. All right? the up and up. <laughs> all right. That's uh, a lot of we have so much to get to tonight. The reason I say we we're pre-show fighting is because something happened to me. And I, I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast. I was mentioning it to Ronnie off the air a little bit that I had yeah. a story, another weirdness, another high strangeness moment. That, that connects to our last That connects episode. to our last week's guest. And I don't want to tell it on the show. I don't want to tell on the podcast because <clears throat> I don't think it it warrants it because I don't. I, I think you should. I think you should because it is connected to possibly what our last guest Mark D'Antonio experienced. But that's it's what makes similar. me think it was in my mind, maybe. You know what I mean? It's very. It's a story that's very easy to say, well, you... Sure. Like the UFO thing is, I, I will talk about all day long because I have a backup witness, you. We experienced it together. I'm very confident of what I saw. This yeah. one, I am like, oh, remember the night I sent you the picture of what was on the wire and it was, I knew, I kind of yes. knew. Yeah, the I ball. started freaking out. Sure. I feel like this one could somehow maybe Similar ha- to have that an explanation or? to it, but I- I'm just well, why, don't, why don't you s- tell the story uh, and then let's let the monsters decide all right, all right, if all right, all right. this is kind of in your imagination or not. Fine. Okay. I walked into the massage parlor. I didn't what? know that they were going to... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. That's a different story. That's a different story. Uh, so as you know, if go back and listen to last week's if you haven't, Monsters. Uh, we had Mark D'Antonio, who is the go-to guy for MUFON. When there's a video or picture, uh, he analyzes it. Yeah. And he, you know, I don't know if it was halfway through the interview or towards the end, probably towards the end, he admits to us that he thinks he had an abduction experience of some kind where he had an implant put in. Right. He saw a white flash. He heard a banging on his roof. Um, series of nights. Series you know? of nights in a yeah. row. Uh, long story short, wakes up one night after a white flash, um, kind of a missing time type of thing, and there's blood all over his pillow and then has what he believes to be an imp- implant taken out of his nasal cavity, and then that goes missing at the doctor's office. Right. So it's a very... Typical story of high strangers around a UFO. And he saw what he believed as he described it. I mean, he didn't use the word alien, I don't think, but a little creature of some kind and a hand. and a grayish hand. Right. Yep. And he's looking out on his street, at a street light, and sees this creature, and then it ends up in his room. So it's very, and this guy's a smart dude. Right. Hearing the so, knocks on the roof, right? Right. Yep. So that's the background. And there have been, uh, you know, I'm just going to be brutally honest. There have been some weird things that have happened to both Ronnie and I since we've started doing this podcast, yeah. straight up. Yep. But we don't get into a lot of it, get into most of it, but we don't get into all of it because, again, it's nebulous. You could say, oh, it's in our imagination, and we don't want to go down a road of... My concern is that it sounds like we're trying to be, you know, uh, what's the word, salacious or, or otherwise, you know, um, tabloidy by with yeah. these stories. But I, I'm just going to tell you what happened. Um I was, Yoko and my son went out and built a little snowman. We got about an inch of snow in, in where I live. And it wasn't much, and it was a pathetic snowman, and that was part of the <laughs> funny joke of it. And they put a Patriots um, Scar. scarf around yeah. a thank you to Patriots hat, and it was like leaning over. It was wicked skinny. It was horrible. And they put two sticks in the sides <laughs> of the arms, and the, you know, it was funny. It was cute. And it was gone within four hours, pretty much. It was like leaning over. It was like an inch off the ground at that point. <laughs> it was just a mound of mush. Um, and... Last night, I was um, 
getting ready for bed. And so I started, I had these big kind of like picture windows going the length of my master bedroom. Yeah. And I was putting the shades down to all the windows and making, I do it every night pretty much. And I'm making my way down the room, shade down, shade down, shade down. And um, I got to one window and I saw what I, in my mind, process as the snowman. A, a, a little creature, little arms. And I just kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye because I didn't really stare at it. It was in shadow, you know, mm. um, because it was getting dark. And I thought to myself, here's the conversation that went on my head. Uh, oh, God, I got to go get that scarf and the hat off that thing because it's- Someone's going to snag that. It's just going to get blown away. <laughs> yeah. It's going to melt in the grass. It's pretty much down. And- you know, again, in my mind's eye, it was, I didn't stare at it, but it was like I saw the little figure with the little arms and the little body. And, mm. the, and I went three windows down and realized, oh, no, that's the snowman right in front of me. And Whoa. by the way, the, the ex-snowman, because by this time it was completely down. All there was was a little hat on the ground and a couple sticks. So I was not in position to be in front of that snowman, if you follow me, mm -hmm. three windows earlier. I, but right. I was looking straight ahead, and that's where I saw... So I look back down the lawn and there is nothing, nothing. And I started to think of Mark D'Antonio's story, to tell you the truth. And I started getting freaked out. I rapidly shut the blinds and at uh, about three in the morning, <laughs> my dog was staring at me. He, he sleeps with me a lot. He either sleeps with me or my son. He goes in and out. Uh, he switches beds. He was with me that night. He was, I woke up, sat up to a, you know, it woke me up, at least in my mind or in reality. I don't know. There was some sort of bang or knock. Now, where did that come from, you feel like? That I don't know. I don't know. Because Mark references in our last episode coming from the roof. No, I couldn't, it, even, so. I couldn't even <clears throat> name where it came from. Okay. It was like, because it, I don't know if it woke me up in my dream or in reality, but it was Got just it. like a noise, a yeah. knock, and I sat up, and my dog was already sitting up looking at me, which is odd, hmm. which makes me think yeah, I might have been stirring things. or- yep. Because my dog sleeps, you know, and and so then I got really freaked out, and I had it. I had trouble getting back to sleep. So um, that's all. That's all that happened. But I I can't not. I can't not be um, terrified of this. <laughs> what was the dream you had? Well, the dream before the knock was I was I was at an I was at an airport being shown around somewhere, and the, the bizarre thing is, <laughs> oh God, I. I <laughs> I was being shown around an airport runway, and I see Arnold Palmer, who I, had I never met. I have no connection to Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and he was starting up his, like, private jet. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Arnold Palmer. This is awesome. And I was trying to get his attention. It was so vivid, too, like the umbrella on the side of a plane. I was like, that's freaking Arnold Palmer. And someone was showing me around an airport, and I was like, oh, my God, this must be a fancy place. And I'm going, hey, Arnold. And then, bang, and I woke up. That's now, what I find very interesting, my mouth is wide open because I'm like, you know, heard of a screen memory before, right? So people that have abduction experiences will often not recall being abducted by aliens and pulled into a UFO, but to have more of a friendly experience with something that they would be excited to see, say, a golfer like Arnold Palmer getting, in, getting, getting into his plane. On the runway, plane, UFO, I don't know. You might <laughs> you might have been abducted. No, I was not. No, I was not. No, I was not. If anything. <laughs> Why do you make me? Just, I'm just, 
I always find it interesting. Dude, it's like, what were you dreaming about? What were you, you know? And I have heard that that before from from abduction videos, though. Where, oh yeah. where they show themselves as it's like that movie when 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 the actor shows uh, Amy Adams. Uh, the alien appears as her father. Yes. And he says, you know, I'm not your father, but I had to appear like oh, this to, in contact. So you don't freak Jody. out. In contact. Right. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Yeah, in contact. Holy shit. Yeah. Now, that w it is very weird that I saw some sort of little figure. Now, mm -hmm. could have been a, I don't know a what. A kid or something. Right. But what time yes. What time was this? No, the, yeah. 10, 30, yeah. 11? I mean, I guess a dog no. or, and, uh, or it could have been my mind's imagination. Here's what a psychologist would say. In your reticent subconscious or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you had the story of Mark D'Antonio in the back of your subconscious seeing an alien outside his mm -hmm. window. You had the snowman somewhere back there too. And maybe in my mind's eye saw something that wasn't there. But then combined with the knock, that's kind of eerie. And the could dog. Be, and the dog looking animals, at me. Animals are always But I could have been just dog. stirring. Sure. You know, and woke him up and he's looking at me like, what the? Oh, crap. That that, hmm. but that's weird too. Because I'll, I'll get up and go to the bathroom. He didn't even look. He won't even look at me. You know, he gets in his sleep mode. He's gonzo. Hmm. Stop smiling like I'll, that. I'm just stop smiling like I'm that. I'm just thinking. Sounds a lot like an. Nah, I shouldn't. Case. Have... You don't Fine. have any marks on your body or anything, right? I haven't checked. Probably should have Colleen give you. I'm going to go to massage parlor and have them check my body. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the implants? So? <laughs> Rub vigorously and see if something Rub comes vigorously. off. All right, let's open Monsterland case file before we get uh, sued. Now let's open another Monsterland case file. Well, Ronnie, this is one that we let slip through the cracks last week in the intro. Some of you messaged and said, hey, uh, you mentioned orbs. Yeah. But we never talked about orbs in that episode. That's true. And the reason why was because we had a Monsterland case file to get to uh, involving orbs, and we were so jam-packed. And that interview took such a weird turn with the aforementioned abduction story uh, that we never got to it. So let's dive into it now. We received a message from friend of show, Danielle Murr. And I teased this in the intro yes, of last week's episode. Right. We never got to it. Danielle appeared. You can go back around New Year's, I believe. And we released a special episode, a special edition. Yeah, from Watch Use the Brewing Company. Yes, of our live season two release party. Right. Danielle was a guest on that show. She is a local here in Boston newswoman, newsperson on a popular morning radio show. And she came on the show and described her shadow person experience. Well, she sent us a video of her spare bedroom and an orb that was captured on a, like a nanny cam, basically. Here's what she wrote. It's team no sleep over here tonight because we've got an orb situation happening. It's not dust. Dust doesn't move this way. Dust also doesn't usually trail like a comet. Plus, there's no light source to illuminate it. It's been there for hours and was there in the same spot the last two nights as well. It seems to be it seems to like hanging around the piece of my rowing machine that is standing up in the middle of the frame. So we're watching the video now, Ronnie. This is a really compelling piece of video, and we're going to put this on our Facebook. Yep. Um Let's do it. It, it, it looks like a tiny light, and it goes up the wall. Now, now some people were commenting, like, it could be a dust mite inside right. the camera lens and stuff. But the problem is, is that it's actually reflecting against the wall. It's like reflecting against what it's touching. Mm. In so, and it's moving. So it's generating it's, such, its own light source. Yes, and yeah. it's like searching. It's a pattern. It's a, it's a pattern as if someone had a mini pen light and was looking for something up and down the wall and sideways. and up and, it has no, It's mm. not random movement. 
Well, may, like, what is that movement? Is it making like a cross sign? Oh, oh, don't you say that. Because you just did that with your hand, and I'm just kind of thinking. Let's see. It goes up, up, and down. It just seems to repeat up again, down. I mean, it's just in this, but it, it, it's random enough to not, it's like intelligent. Do you yes. know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's moving intelligently, I guess I would say. Oh, no, it just went. Wow. wow. I mean, it is a freaky piece of video. Manny, we'll put that up on pod617.com also, right, right as a companion to uh, this Thank episode. You. Thank you so much. Um, so, Ronnie, let's talk a bit about orbs because you're an expert in orbs. And um, let's talk about the different types of orbs. Like an orb like this um, is different than kind of what we talk about right. a lot, like the orange orbs and Monsterland. So, so break, give me a little primer on orbs. Well, so this one, you know, particular orange orbs are are traditionally seen. They're like the size of a basketball, right? And they look like this plasma, and it's a very definitive fireball, kind of reddish orange flame looking thing. And a lot of these type of smaller white orbs, about the size of a either like a golf ball or a tennis ball. But they seem to be kind of connected to either like a house or a person. I've, I've actually captured one of these on camera, uh, which I'll post as well, of it shooting across. Um, but with orbs, there's a lot of theories out there that there are spirits or an entity attached to it. Yep. Some even say that they are just balls of energy without any kind of conscious or any type of like, you know, spirit attached to it, right. but just energy. But Looking at that, it just seems to be kind of following this. It is uh, a certain pattern, kind of going up Dude, and down. And it's and not a bug because it stops. It stops, and there's no wings. There's, it's a light. It's right. definitely a light of some sort. You can yeah. see. And the fact it's been doing this for hours, and it's gone Ugh. for a couple of days. What the hell? Now, this bums me out because we just had her on, and we were talking about how she's past that all. She's yeah. she's past... Um, She's had someone come the in and kind of clear the house. Done. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Danielle, we're, I know she listens, and we'll, we'll make sure she listens to this episode particularly. I want to follow up on this with her and yeah. just make sure maybe we can help clear her situation again with someone that, um, you know, I, I have a Catholic priest friend and, and, and people that are kind of into this, if, right. it, if it warrants that. Right. Um, I just want to make sure she feels safe at home. That bums me out that she's going to be freaked out again by something like this. I know. Um, all right, so we will follow up again. That video will be on Pod 617 on our Facebook and uh, tell us what you think. Please comment. And also you can comment about what you think about my snowman alien. <laughs> uh, another f***ing pickup. God damn. Oh, shit, we're recording. Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland, Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere fine books are sold. Our guest tonight, Ronnie... You might have seen him work with me on last week's episode, as we record this, uh, it's season six, episode 14 of the Curse of Oak Island, a special drilling down special hosted by yours truly, the truth behind the curse. And my goal in this special, Ronnie, was to tell the story of and investigate the more paranormal aspects of Oak Island, the curse. Everyone always asks, where did the curse come from? Is right. it true? Do really crazy things happen there? Is that true? So this is like a one-hour answer or investigation into all that. And we brought on Brian Kano, who's a parapsychologist, and he uses science, equipment, technology 
to try to answer these questions. And him and I went on a little uh, hunt, a little ghost hunt and a little paranormal investigation on Oak Island. Um, and we had some hits. And at one point, which we're going to talk about in this interview, we, we got some EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. If you don't know what that is, it's when you record, call out, and oftentimes you don't hear an answer in live time. But when you right. go back and play the tape, you hear disembodied voices, which many believe to be spirits answering. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some hits. Awesome. <laughs> and at one point, we literally got a hit. And he, we'll talk about this interview. We're standing over a giant caisson, basically a hole in the ground, mm-hmm. a, a metal tubing stuck in the ground where the boys are digging at depth. Um, and we were calling out to whatever spirits may be there, and we got a big bong. It sounded like a freaking bell, man. So we get into that. We get into Brian's extensive experience. Uh, Since 2002, he's been investigating the paranormal. He's on a Travel Channel show right now called Paranormal Caught on Tape. So if you're interested in paranormal, if you're interested in Oak Island, if you're interested in the paranormal aspects of Oak Island, then you're going to love this interview. Brian Kano, welcome to Monsterland. Hey, Maddie. Good to hear you again. Yeah, you too, man. Say hello to my partner, Ronnie. Hey, bud. How are you? Ronnie, nice to meet you. You too. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Brian, I thought it made sense that we do a follow-up to our um, very successful, I might add, well-rated- Great, um, great job on the show. Paranormal Oak Island special. Um, I loved working with you, brother. It was great to meet you, but I did- Let's just talk generally first before we get into Oak Island about your background and what it is you do and how you started to do it. Okay, wow. It's uh, this. Here we go into the time capsule. <laughs> I feel like I was always interested in the topic. I mean, what child isn't mm. uh, one in wonder about the mysteries of our world now? When I was a, a kid, I was the kid who was too afraid to do the Bloody Mary challenge. Oh, in the yes. Yeah. Just in case. Now, I used to hang out with my friends like nearby the woods, and we'd be at, at, at camp, and we would talk about creatures in, in the woods, and we'd talk about Bigfoot, and we'd talk about Loch Ness. And even though I grew up in Staten Island, New York, the lakes in our parks, of course, were linked to Loch Ness. So we would look at the water and think, ooh, is there a monster in there? And ghosts and all those topics were fascinating to me as a child. And I used to love shows like In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And when I was 10 years old, something happened. The experience changed my life. And that experience was Ghostbusters. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny to say now, but back then, you know, you, you really didn't see anything like that. And the reason I felt it was such a game changer is that anything paranormal related up until that point was dark and demonic and the omen, the omen two, mm. the exorcist. This was a comedy. And this also showed that not only we're ready to believe you, but these cats came at it with tech, with science, with gadgets. And that that really resonated with me. So here I am all these years later. I'm a parapsychologist. I'm a tech guy, kind of doing the Ghostbuster thing. And it it all started way back then. Wow. That is so cool. Thank you, Bill Murray. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's a Cinderella story. It's a kind of. Uh, <laughs> and, I was told uh, that uh, my 40th birthday, I would receive total consciousness. So at least I've got that um, and Brian, define a uh, parapsychologist for those listening who don't know. Okay. Now, parapsychology is an offshoot of psychology, and it actually has nothing to do with ghosts. 
it's not a paranormal study, but what it is a study of is mind abilities that may have adjacency to the paranormal. So ESP, awesome. um, telekinesis, things that are considered magical or mystical, but that reside within our own bodies. And I've always studied it as a way to try to explain some of the phenomena that we're observing. Brian, what do you think you are observing? What is this? What, what, are, you, what are we seeing and hearing and, and feeling and experiencing? What's going on? I feel like such a question has as myriad amount of answers as anything else in our universe. We're constantly making new discoveries. We're exploring the depths of space. We're exploring the, the depths of our oceans here on our planet. And we're also looking into the depths of who we are. And from the beginning of our history as a species, there have been ghost stories. And even though I started out my professional paranormal career as a skeptic, you know, the, that kid uh, that, that I was who was fascinated, grew up, went to college, became jaded, became skeptical. And it took me a while to kind of get back into belief to say what it is we would this podcast would need to be weeks long to yeah. even scratch the surface of what it is but wow. what i think that we're observing is some something natural it's definitely not a, a mistake it's not a glitch everything that happens in our universe and especially in our observed universe is operating according to a set of laws and it's working just fine we just don't understand it yet. Uh, think of everything that we have now. I mean, we're talking, I'm talking on a microphone connected to my computer, which is connected to you guys where you are. I mean, this is right, magic. We take it right. for granted, but yeah, it's magic. And a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, if we had our cell phones out, we would be burned at the stake as witches. Mm -hmm. So we're always discovering more. So to answer the question, you know, what are we observing? <laughs> That's a good question. Hmm. Talk about, um, you mentioned ESP, telekinesis. Have you either experienced this for yourself personally, feel like you have maybe some of these abilities or, or maybe witnessed someone that you think or said, you know, wow, this person actually showing me that they have this, this ability to do this or that? It, once again, it goes back to me being a kid and trying to use the force after seeing The Empire mm -hmm. Strikes Back. But I have seen things that... I simply can't explain. And, and of course, that covers ghosts and, and things of that nature. But I've also seen people display abilities that just seem magical and mystical. And, and ESP is one of them. And that leads us into the topic of psychics. You see them on TV. You, know, you could be driving through a town and you'll see next to your Burger King, there'll be a little house that says, psychic, tarot cards, come on in. And, you know, they're they're entrenched in our society. But what does that mean? And actually, it's funny. This past week, um, last week, tonight with John Oliver, he oh. did a, a piece oh, on I saw psychics. It. I, it was brutal. I know. Oh, oh. I know. I, I'm not psychic. Oh, no. Okay. Caveat. We are all, we all have the ability. I was just going to say that to you. Like, I, I really feel like we've had it before on a, on a more common 
playing field, you know, like, but I feel like we've kind of lost that. I really do yes. believe we have this, everyone has this capacity. It's a sense. Yeah. And because I, the way I approach things and Matt, you, you, you know, you've spent the, the investigation with me. I tend to look at things logically, scientifically, and I feel that it being one of our senses, it's uh, one that we don't often use. So yeah. Those people who do use it and who are adept at it seem mystical, but it's no it's, more it's different than yeah. uh, someone who could see in a village of blind people. Like, hey, that guy, that guy can see color. What's right. color? Um, right. And and actually, the best analogy I could think of for it: we're on a city block, say, take New York City, and we're on Fourteenth Street standing on, on, on the street level. But meanwhile, Ronnie is at the top of a building, maybe 10 floors up, and we hear sirens, we hear noise. Matty, you and I, we're on the ground level. We can't see what's going on, but Ronnie can see further down. He can see 10 blocks away and go, oh, man, mm. there's this big accident there. Oh, this is tragedy. Mm. Same thing with a psychic. It's not magic. It's not mystical, but his perspective yes. is different, right. giving him some more information. Mm. That that that's great. That John Oliver thing made me so upset because <clears throat> I have a whole rant chambered on this thing, which I won't do now because I don't want to take your time. <laughs> we need a new. By the way, producer Dave, we need a new thing, a new Maddie rant sound. Like oh, we need boy. a sounder for that when I go off on a rant. But <laughs> but the thing was is like he obviously doesn't believe, which is fine. A lot of people don't. But it was a lazy job of quote unquote reporting because he, anyone can just show. Uh, clips of charlatans of people screwing up, right. but it doesn't explain so many psychic experiences. It doesn't explain the cops who, by the way, use psychics to actually successfully solve murders. He just shows the shitty one who gets busted saying the kid was dead. He wasn't. Like we could do that all day. Right. I could say to you, all NBA games are fixed. It's all bullshit. Mm. They're all fixed. And then I could show you a video of Tim Donaghy, the crooked ref, right. and say, see? Go. This covers everything. It yep. doesn't explain everything. You know, it's just, it just makes me so mad. And there's a book called Fringology, uh, Brian, that my buddy Tony turned me on to. And it's amazing because it says, the scientists in this field of like parapsychology or any paranormal study, the, the true scientists who don't believe in it, it's shifted. It's switched. In other words, the guys who believe in paranormal are now using scientific methods because the burden is on them. So they're wicked careful to use scientific methods like you. And the scientists who don't believe in it are just saying it's all bullshit. It's, they're not using the scientific method anymore. It was a tough mm. segment to watch, and I'm just thankful that no one I know personally was on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I know, feel like, yeah. you know, you're, you're right. It was lazy reporting. And actually, these, these past couple of weeks have been tough because I love I love that show. I watch it. Love him. So smart. He's brilliantly funny. So smart. I watch, I watch Real Time with Bill Maher, and he had a, a segment the other day just lambasting uh, uh, people who love Marvel movies and pop culture. I'm like, uh, oh, yeah. he's talking about me. Oh, yeah, now yeah. I feel horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's like the the problem with like John Oliver and and, and uh, one of you know it's just a small problem because like I said I love him I think he's great and and John Stewart too is the tricky thing is it's like an enemy you can't punch like a bully you can't punch because what they'll do is they'll do a quote unquote factual news report like that based on science and realism and their perspective but then when you give them any sort of evidence that goes against them what do they do they go hey man this is a comedy show we're just doing a comedy show here <laughs> it's like oh you can't have it both ways right right you know the the at the crux of this. 
and especially I see this in my work all the time, there are those who do things, quote unquote, scientifically. And that's when the lab coat wearing scientists come out and say, no, 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 you're not doing it science because it's not in a lab and it's not repeatable. Right. right. And so much of what I do in paranormal investigations bleeds over into sociology, psychology, uh, theology, all the things that you can't do in a lab and aren't repeatable yes. right. because they have to yes. do with the human condition yes. and who we are. Yes. And, so, and and presenting like cold reads and hot reads, like as if that's the only, here, we'll show it to you. We'll show you how they do it. Is that that's the only way psychics have ever worked ever. Right. It's the only two possibilities. Like I had a psychic experience, Brian, where the guy couldn't have researched me because he didn't know I was going to be guesting on the show. I wasn't asking for reading. I was sitting across the room and the shit he knew that ended up coming true and the shit he knew that there's no way I didn't know it about a loved one. I didn't know it. And it took a third party to, so how do you explain that? Yeah. John Oliver's of the world. You can't, right. you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's so enraging. Well, at, at the, at the core of science, the true scientist has to be a dreamer, has to try to reach beyond what is and what's proven. Wow. Otherwise we wouldn't have any of the advances that we have now. Like none of this stuff was handed to us. Someone go, Hmm. Yeah. Look at, wouldn't it be great if, and they worked at it. And it's like Edison, you know, like, Oh, he, his first try didn't result in the light bulb. Wow. It was a thousand or so other failed attempts right. after the first one. He goes, Oh, there's no such thing as light. I can't do it. Oh, well, it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> we wouldn't have what we have today. And I feel that, those who deny it without even wanting to hear about it or wanting to look deeper, like you said, it's lazy. And, you know, maybe they have to have their own experience for them to even consider it. And I know for me, when I was a skeptic, I might have thought the same way, too. I was very hard-headed, and I'm thinking, oh, come on. This, this, this is ridiculous. Oh, this is, this is all bunk. And I had, to, I had to go through it. I had to have my own experiences to gradually come to it. It's like the stages of loss. You have you know, denial, you have bargaining, and then finally you come to acceptance, but it's on your own personal timeline. Brian, could you give us an example of one of the experiences you've had that you just go, I don't know how to explain this, one of those two experiences that right. did help you shift from skeptic to believer? When I first started my quote-unquote paranormal career, it was back in 2002, and I had started a local cable access show here in New York City with my buddies, and we called it Scared on Staten Island. Mm, and it's a great concept, title. The, the concept was we would go into abandoned buildings that had uh, rumors of haunted activity, and we would see, okay, it's just us, some friends, some cameras. These places are as haunted as people say they are. We should be able to go in and catch, you know, capture something. We did five or six episodes at the beginning, and we figured, okay, this would be limited. We're filmmakers. We'll do this, and then we'll move on to the next project. But that lit the flame underneath us. It, it exposed us to some things that we couldn't explain. But even then, that wasn't enough. And at the time, th this was 2002, before the explosion of Paranormal mm -hmm. on, on television. So... Yeah. It's very hard to watch. I mean, if, if, if I showed you any of these old videos, you would have to take a drama me and it's total <laughs> shaky cam. It's horrible. Gotcha. <laughs> I make no bones about it. Yeah. But I, I say it like this. Every experience I had, both doing that show and every, all the work I did after, there wasn't one turning point that said, oh, flip the switch. I'm a believer now. Every experience was like a grain of sand. 
by itself, a grain of sand seems inconsequential. It doesn't seem like much. You take it, you throw it at your feet. And eventually, enough grains of sand, you look down and you're standing on a beach. Hmm. And you have to consider what that means. And for me, it was a lot of little, like there wasn't one thing, there was a lot of little things. Yeah. And I think for me, it culminated in 2009 with a place called the Grand Midway Hotel, which is a place, the one and only case I've ever worked on that I could say something, I hesitate to say it, but I will say it, demonic happened. Mm. And uh, the fact that I, I reserve that term for just that one case, yeah. Uh, I feel comfortable saying it because you know it's it's everywhere on the airwaves, but I I don't overuse it. Yeah, I agree. That that's that's I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that's well said, and that's that's actually a great segue into Oak Island, and uh, because a bunch of little things is mm-hmm. kind of exactly what Oak Island will do to you, to the skeptic anyway. They'll step on the island saying, "Well, I don't believe in any of this paranormal stuff." And then the totality of events that happen there, you see even the most ardent skeptic, i.e., you know, a Marty Lagina, <laughs> kind of go, well, all right, I can't explain this. So um, our special, uh, episode 14, The Curse of Oak Island, drilling down the truth behind the curse. Brian, it was so awesome so cool. to have you on. You were fantastic. Quick question. I never got to ask you this. When you stepped on the island and we met, we did a little, you know, behind the scenes talking, here's what we're going to try and do. And um, what was your, I never got to ask you, did you feel anything um, when you first stepped on the island? You know, I, I've been aware of the show. I'd been aware of the island, but there was a good two, three years where it fell off my my personal radar. So to be reintroduced to it, I'm thinking, ooh, oh, oh, I'm going to Oak Island? Wow, that's that's really cool. And when I first got out to Halifax and I drove out to the area, and when I first drove across that land bridge mm-hmm. to the island itself. It was very surreal. It was almost like I was watching an episode, like I was watching TV <laughs> and here I am on the approach. And there's something about the island that there's a definite energy about it. There's a definite, I don't want to say like I felt like I was being watched, but I felt aware, you know, like when mm. someone is watching you. That your sixth sense kicked in. It's that heightened awareness yeah. and ooh, okay, it's, there's something going on here. A hair on the back of my neck stood up a little bit. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, and then we proceeded to, uh, I proceeded to follow Brian. Now, I, Brian, full disclosure, a little behind the scenes thing. I actually do, and you know this now, knowing me a little bit, I do, actually do have experience in this area, not as much as you since 02, obviously, but um, but I acquiesce to you because you're the true expert. You're a parapsychologist, and you know I just followed your lead, and you were phenomenal, and it was a pleasure and oh, honor to you. watch you work. Um. You, you handle everything with the perfect degree of skepticism. But I was a little embarrassed for you because we're going to play a clip now. Um, and as you'll ahead. hear, as you'll hear, as we're taking an EVP, uh, I'm totally cool. And you're just going to hear Brian freak out. Here we go. Hit, hit the clip, David. Are you the person whose remains we found of Middle Eastern descent? Do you have any messages for anyone? What do you want us to do? What the f- was that? That was not him. That was you. Um, I'm not sure. That, that was not I, Brian. Check the tape. That oh was my you. god! What was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, as you can see in the video, if you're watching it, Brian is completely <laughs> calm and professional, and I am jumping around like some sort of lanky <laughs> Irish. Uh, 
leprechaun, red <laughs> leprechaun, sunburnt and freaked out <sighs> by the nut. So that was so that was such a great moment, Brian. We're taking the EVPs, and um, I said to you too, and I don't know if you felt this, but I felt this kind of overwhelming. Oh, I don't know the word like um, pressure or or. Um, I wanted to be respectful because I had had a couple experiences over by the rest stall where the rest stall incident happened where everyone died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we take that stuff very seriously on the island, very respectful. They still have living relatives. So I felt this overwhelming pressure to be, you know, respectful and, and not salacious or whatever. And you were, you were awesome in that regard. But when that thing banged, um, I, it really did to my core, like frighten me. I imagine it's just your experience that able, enabled you to just kind of be cool like you were. You know, it's funny because as I'm watching the episode, even though I lived it, sometimes watching it from that third-person perspective, when we heard that noise, and, and just for the listeners out there, and I know, Matty, you back me up on this, TV cannot capture the depth and volume yes. of that bang. Yeah, it yes. sounded like it was a bell. And if you see that the thing, yes. felt like it shook the earth. It did. Wow. And I look, if you see the video, I look up and what I'm doing was looking at the crew because I was, two thoughts were going like, holy shit, was anyone near the caisson that could have made that noise? And they were at least five feet away. They were. Is it undeniable that you guys both believe that it came from there? Like, oh, it, it, Ryan, it was, it couldn't have come from anywhere. It was deep under us. It sounded well, like it was like coming from the bottom. We, yeah. Thing. We were asking a lot of questions, uh, like directly down the shaft. And I remember I was using, I was using that device, uh, which measured the, the heat and cold. And we were getting a lot of hits. We were getting a lot of readings as if something down there was moving. Wow. Yes. And whatever question we had asked resulted in that bang. And I, I got to say, when I was watching it, I kind of, I was like, whew, there was okay, I, di I didn't jump. Okay, I look cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I passed the test. Uh, you did. Brian, you, did. You, you just reminded me of something. Earlier with both you guys when you said, if there's someone here before that scene, you guys were, uh, there was a, you, you asked a question and a crow oh, yes. responded. Yes. Now earlier that there. Was by, uh, that was by 10X. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Now earlier, who uh, talked Absolutely. about. Absolutely. It believes the crows are dis the disembodied souls of the slaves. And I thought that was amazing that you asked if... It's a great point, Ronnie. Uh, earlier, yeah, we had talked about Fred Nolan, one of the, you know, with Dan Blankenship, one of the yeah. two postmodern searchers on Oak Island, the two key figures, the Hatfield and McCoys. They both lived on the island and wouldn't share information with each other. And right. there was a line <laughs> they couldn't cross. There's stories that Dan maybe pulling out a gun at one point. You know, it's just crazy stuff. Um, and, and Rick was told by Fred himself that he never slept on the island because he yeah. was, and, and Rick said, why? He said, cause he, he believed there were bad spirits on the island and that they were manifest in some instances by the crow, the crows were actually watching him like spirits in the crows. And so when we asked that question, the crow went off. Yes. Oh my God. We I didn't freaked, even get to get I was like, that. whoa. Yeah. I, I wrote it down immediately when I, when I was watching the episode. I was like, I got to talk to Brian and Maddie about this. Brian, how about that precedent for kind of animals uh, and the paranormal? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because so many people, uh, I know you were as well as I was. I was live tweeting during the episode. Yep. So, so many, so many positive reactions. So many people who are like, wow, this is cool. How did it feel? What did you see? And just my blanket statement was, you know, we, we investigated all day and into the night. I remember being at yep. Smith's Cove with the sun going down. And of course, for editing purposes, for entertainment, they have to cut it down. Sure. So I remember finding half a dozen EVPs 
to go over, plus all those personal experiences like the crows that one might go, all right, it's a coincidence, but then another coincidence and another right. and another. And so much stuff was overlapping. And in my work, that's what I look for, the overlapping. Right, those patterns. And, and did patterns. we hear a crow yeah. before or after that? No, it was silent. It was just that it was one silent. moment. That was it. Yep. When that thing came, it was like a clear like... Well, and then speaking yeah. of that, Brian, uh, I, we do a little behind the scenes here, too. There were things that didn't make the edit. For example, <laughs> uh, there were some EVPs. I mentioned this to Rick and Marty, so it's not like I'm giving up any secrets. But we did get a couple EVPs that you never heard on that episode. And, again, for editing time, there's only so much time. you know. Right. And, and also, quite frankly, there was some disagreement as to what it was. So we didn't want to play anything that was like too inconclusive, but there was one in particular, Brian, that you and I both felt like, oh, that was a voice. And there was just some, so we just went with the one that was clearly a voice of yeah. some kind, yeah. whether it was us or um, Brian, thoughts on that, like things that we didn't get to? You know, because we had toured all the major spots and did little mini investigations at each one, there was a lot for me to go over. And I remember sitting there uh, in, in the in the old war room and going over it. And even though I've been doing this for a while, the pressure is on me. Like one of the things I thought of when I'm on the plane coming to Oak Island is like, what if nothing happens? 100%. And this, this is something that, you know, cause you cannot guarantee the paranormal, but mm -hmm. the first EVP, the second EVP, the third one, I remember sticking my head out uh, of the door, looking at the guys, I'm like, "Oh my god, guys!" Yeah. <laughs> like, kid in a candy store. I had. Remember, I, had, I walked I out a... at one point because I got so freaked out. They didn't play that. I, I, he played the first one, and I He's walked such a out. Pussy, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Well, you know, uh, I was hoping that they would use the the question that I asked. I said, "Is the seventh person on the island now?" Mm. And the response came back, "No." That's yeah, we heard wild. Uh, what we thought was that. Uh, <laughs> I will never set foot on that island. Man, it's it's, it's just in case. <laughs> and uh, one question I got, um, which I know the answer to, Brian, because you told me, because I asked you that at that moment, but for our listeners, a lot of people were going, why in the day? Why not at night? It would have been so much more exciting at night. Uh, explain why why the day, or why it well, doesn't you know matter I mean, that it was the day. I've actually answered this a, a bunch of times since the episode. Paranormal activity is a 24-7 thing. It's, it's, right. open, it's open all the time. It's like New York. It never closes, but... <laughs> During the day, so much of what happens since we're going about our, our, our daily lives, we're busy, we're commuting, we're working, you don't often observe it. At nighttime, the world is quieter, so right. more often than not, uh, investigations at night yield those results. But for us, Oak Island was open for business the minute I stepped on yeah, it. it so uh, there was so much more that, that, that could have been shown, even when the sun was going down, even at Smith's Cove. But, you know, editing... Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, too bad you didn't get to be there at night. I'm like, well, it's, hey, too bad you didn't get to hear what we did get during the day. <laughs> yeah, and and maybe more of that to come. And, um, you know, it's something I pushed for, or I didn't push for it. Like, it was no one was fighting me on it. But I just, the moment I first started working on the show, the first thing I ever filmed, Brian, was an on-set interview with, like, I think it was Randall Sullivan, the author. And then right after that, I had Dan and, uh, you know, I had, excuse me, Dave and Rick and Marty and everyone at a table. And mm -hmm. it was one of like the first three interviews I ever did with those guys. And Dave told that quote unquote ball of fire story and a couple other like creepy stories. 
And I immediately started saying to the execs, like, and I knew a lot about the paranormal history of Oak Island. I was reading up about it because, you know, that's my interest. And I kept saying, like, hey, guys, there's a lot to the story that we're not. And it was like, and I get it. I get why you're, you're always reticent to take a what's really a treasure hunting show and a family show and make it about this. But as I've said now, like a broken record, you're not doing your job if your job is to tell the story of Oak Island without mentioning the stuff because it is part of the story. Not to mention, I, I, I had mentioned this uh, to someone who had asked me, and they said, oh, well, this is a different direction. And I said, for a show that has curse in the title, <laughs> yeah, right. one episode, yeah. six seasons, I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. You'll 100%. survive. Back to the treasure. <laughs> yeah, the logo is a skull underneath the island. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, well, Brian, you were the right guy. I'm so glad that we picked you. And um, I, I really believe this is a big, big you know, kind of professional victory for me that we, uh, that I got to do the special yeah. and, and to work with you. And, um, I hope it's the first of many brother. You're fantastic. Oh, thanks man. I had a, had a great time. It was definitely cool, uh, exploring the Island with you and, uh, yeah, let's, let's see what happens in the future. Well, I tell you what, we get Brian to come down to Monsterland for a weekend. That'd be friggin' awesome. Boom. Would you oh, do yeah. it? Yeah. Do an investigation in Monsterland there. It, it is a definite portal of some kind. There's all kinds of strangeness here, brother. We keep on promising taking this on the road and uh, mm -hmm. doing some episodes out there. So we're going to have some some fun guests like you coming out and, and doing some investigations with us. Yeah, you keep me posted. I'm there, buddies. Awesome. You got it, Brian. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thanks. Let me take a minute <laughs> to talk about the Boston Podcast Network with Ronnie here. Uh, just a few years ago, Ronnie, podcasting was on the fringe of the media world. We all know that. Mm. Now, there are more than half a million active podcasts. We're on the verge of an information revolution. Uh, working with pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network allows you and your business to be part of it. Pod 617 can produce your show soup to nuts with their professional producers, dynamic on-air hosts like us, mm -hmm. radio quality equipment that you can see right here. They produce my show and I couldn't be happier. Right, Ronnie? Oh, the best. These people are the best. Working with the Boston Podcast Network means becoming part of a community, allowing you to share in our success as you become part of a professionally marketed platform. Contact pod617 to start planning. In the meantime, Listen, learn, and binge. Whether you're into music, sports, comedy, business, politics, or the unexplained, you'll find something here for you. Visit pod617.com in Pod We Trust. Awesome interview with Brian. Uh, that was fun. That was awesome. And apologies uh, if you got an imperceptible hum for some of you. The audio wasn't as clear as it usually is. Um, who would have guessed the paranormal came guy came on? <laughs> right. and we had a little weird technical problem, but uh, we got it straightened out. So next time that won't happen. Uh, it's very slight, but we yeah. all heard it. Little little bit of a hum, but such is technology. Yeah, you know, it sounds like he's in the room with us. It's fantastic. Isn't it great? Yeah, it really is. Um, so why don't we open uh, a little monster mail and see what you all had to say, you monsters, you? If you have questions or an experience to share, please send us your monster mail now at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Now it's time for monster mail. We love hearing from you, Ronnie. How can people reach us? You can send us an email at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page, Monsterland Podcast. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, all over. Okay, so someone forwarded us a trail cam video. Yes. And, well, I only saw the stills. Is there actually a video, too? I just seen the stills. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I, I didn't yeah. know if I missed anything. So, basically, it's it's a trail cam video, and it's deer. And supposedly, as, as it describes, these deer were, you know, congregating in this area. And something bizarre happened over a couple of nights 
where the deer suddenly just got spooked and there's a figure of some kind. It's right. very creepy. It is. In the background. By the way, this is on our Monsterland Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Just go to Monsterland Pod on Facebook. You can see these photos. And then in one of them, the deer just looks like it's being pulled away. Yeah. It's off the ground. It's it's turning in an awful like way. Twisting and twisting yeah. and turning. And there's like a hand on it. And so a lot of you commented on that. Um, Rick says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm saying this without having seen any footage yet. Again, we, I just saw the pictures. As an experienced bow hunter, I will say this. I have seen deer move in the most amazing ways to dodge out of the way of arrows and or escape predators. I'm talking movements like you've never thought possible. The speed of them needs to be seen to be believed. So it's altogether likely that if the deer in this video made some kind of jerky movement that looked like it was thrown from the camera, it is very possible that the animal was startled and did that by itself. In other words, it wasn't the hand pulling it away. Right. It just got startled and made that weird jump. Again, I was unable to see any video. Uh, so if someone has a better link, I'd love to see it. Thoughts on that, Ronnie? I would love to hear more people's thoughts on that and what they think it is. But it is interesting. It just looks off. It does not look natural. Well, would you like to hear from Rich Damascio? Yes. Who commented on this too? Uh, there's clearly someone standing by the trees in the second pick. Looks like they're actually wearing glasses, too. And then the the hand he describes as like a three-finger claw grabbing at the deer. Pretty amazing. Possibly staged. The deer is pulling hard to its right, camera left, to avoid whatever it is. It's not grabbed by it from how it looks, but it startled the deer, clearly. In a, you know, staged how, right? Because you're in middle of, have you ever gotten this close to a deer before, three in the middle of the night? They're gone. They're gone. Right. The thing is, too. The figure that's standing behind mm. the deer is almost, as is often the case with these things, it's almost blurry, translucent. It's yeah. it's it's not clear. Ethereal kind yes, of, yes. Yep. It's it, it's it's it reminds me of like the ring. You know the movements yeah. of that ghost. Like it's never a clear, right. solid picture. Right. Oh. And that's always they say like the vibrational yeah, frequency. Like that's why that? you can't capture them on right photos because it's vibrating. Kevin says, these photos, this footage is amazing. Wonder what it truly is. Great podcast, guys. Love it. Uh, We also, Ronnie, had a follow-up here from a former guest, Scott Varden. Oh, yeah. Picture on our Facebook. It's right there. Just look up Scott Mm -hmm. Varden. All he wrote was, now, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to the episode with Scott Varden. This man says he's former military, former CIA, CIA. Yep. has had an abduction experience. His wife corroborated that. She's getting her doctorate. He's been on two crash retrieval sites while working for the military. That's how we got introduced into <sighs> this UFOs thing. and everything else. And now he's got a clear connection to whatever these yeah. things are. And he just said the following, I was told to go out and take a picture. And then there's a picture, and there's something in the sky. You monsters be the judge. You can comment. Go to our Facebook page now. Um, we also got a foreign message. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, our episode 209 with Mark D'Antonio, last week's episode. Uh, again, the guy from MUFON. <clears throat> this message comes from Etion DeVejo. He writes, Lindo Trabaco, continuar publicano. Whoa, whoa. So... A new game we're going to play, Monster Translation. <laughs> we have any game show music, uh, David, we can maybe fire up? You both can play. Everyone can play along at home. Now, I took Spanish in uh, high school, so I'm an expert. I took three years of Spanish, uh, D-minus average. 
Mr. Perlmutter, who I almost I, I only for. know like two Spanish words, and they're both swears. So. Yo conozco uh, muchos palabras, Irani. So let's play our new <laughs> game, Monster Translation. Again, lindo trabajo, continue our publicano. Doesn't mean A, Dios mío, another rant from Mateo, no mas. <laughs> B, I like to take me chicken in me coke in el dip dip dip. Or C, great work, continue publishing. I think it's C. You think it's C, great work, continue publishing. Lindo yes. trabajo, continue our publicano. Dave, do you agree? C? Uh, no, I'll go with B, Matty. I like to take my chicken and dip it. You're yeah, the both dip, dip, wrong. Dip. Oh, no, actually, oh. actually, it's D. The translation is, Maddie's golf stories make me glad I don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. New game sweeping the nation. Uh, monster translator. <laughs> All right. <laughs> maybe, we won't, maybe we won't keep that game up. Oh. Um, now, this final piece of Monster Mail is lit. This actually should have been probably a Monsterland case file, but we can't... We can't control where these things come from. Ronnie, right. you were given a picture, and this is right in the heart of Monsterland. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this was the pick. It looks like it was taken not recently, but maybe this past spring or summer, and it was posted by Monica Ledoux to Lemonsterites Unite, which is a closed Facebook group. Of Lemonster people. Of, Lemonster, of Lemonster, again, let me set it up, is, is where Monsterland is, where Correct. we're based in this podcast. Right. And this particular picture was taken above or around Sholin Farms, which is, Sholin used to be the Native American sacum or, you know, chief in the area. Okay. So this whole area around here is is considered very sacred. Okay. Sholin Farms, this is where in my book I talk about they found two deer carcasses up in the tree Oof. saying, hey, the mountain lions don't do this. Oof. What did this? So uh, she posted in this, and I, so a bunch of people started tagging me, like, Ronnie, you got to check this out. But uh, it says, what do you guys think of this picture? And we'll post this on our Facebook page. It was taken last August in Lemonster. I saw nothing in the skies and heard no sound. And when I got home and got a closer look at the picture, I was surprised with what I saw. Is this a drone? And the pic shows, uh, you know, cloud... Uh, Clouds in the sky, green field, and you see geese on the ground. But then in the picture centered is some kind of weird anomaly. And it looks like a freaking, um, almost like a box. But instantly I'm thinking, all right, Dude. from Mark D'Antonio, I'm thinking, is this a hawk or a falcon? falcon? <laughs> what is this? Uh, but you don't see Dude, it's a, a... it's square. It's like round. It's like a barrel almost. It's yes. Like a, and... I've had uh, you know a dozen chickens before on my property, and we had you know hawks that would fly over. There, you know, if, if you think this is potentially a predator bird, there would be some response from the geese below it yes. that they'd be freaking out or flying away or cowering, and there's not. Also, she took the freaking picture and read again what she said. I saw nothing in the skies and heard no sound. Drowns you would dr drowns drones you would hear. Right, a big hawk or something in that picture. She took it. You would see it. You would see I'm sorry. it. Sorry, and you'd see it moving. And if it's a drone, you would see the propellers. They're not no, yeah, this has, like this, this jet, you know. And uh, here's the thing: is I ended up reaching out that? to her last night. Okay, and I started talking to her. And I said, "Hey, have you ever had any uh, massage? Oh. You know, paranormal experiences yep. before?" And she said, "Yes, I have. Actually, a lot of weird things have happened to me growing up in Brazil." <gasps> so I said, "Well." I don't think that this is necessarily your, you know, first time kind of right. capturing this. 
because it's like, all right, why is she sharing it and you know sending yeah, it out? Right. And um, to me, I always feel like when people are seeing these things, it's it's their way. They whoever they are they want to almost get in contact or that it's time for you to kind of learn a little bit more. And this seems to be that same type of situation here, Holy God. which is pretty wild. And uh, so I'm trying to dig a little bit more. I, I told her, I said, listen, um, you're going to start having things coming back into your memory now. And it's going to the next couple of days, it's going to be kind of wild. And I said, when that's coming, we'll chat. And maybe an hour later, she posts, she sends me a message. So many things are coming to my mind. I'm going to start writing them down. And she starts asking a bunch of different questions, but she's trying to get an understanding of this. But I feel like I kind of just said, hey, you know, we're here to talk to you about this, but I want to, there's, there's something more that you'll start understanding about your life, your childhood. Something will make more sense to this. So I found that amazing. And again, this just... Lemister is just a hot spot Dude. for UFOs, Bigfoot, orbs, all this, all this stuff. That picture is amazing. Again, uh, go to our Facebook page, Monsterland Pod, and um, where? What's it titled, Ronnie? So people can see which picture it is. If you scroll down on our Monsterland Pod, yeah. So I basically took a snap where it has Monica and Lemonsterites unite. Uh, and you'll see it's it's a picture has three different ones where I kind of zoomed in and did a real close up of the object. And if you, you know what, let's yeah. put it on our Instagram too. We'll put it on our Instagram. Oh my God, there's a close up of it, dude. That is like I zoomed in and, and cropped the photo and then posted that. And there's okay, it does match the coloring of the geese kind of below, but yeah. you would see some long neck of the geese. You would see the wingspan. There's nothing there. It's like this enclosed box almost. There's and no, again, she didn't see anything. That's the she didn't see anything. She you didn't would hear see anything. a giant goose flying above when you took the picture of this and, beautiful and, blue sky. And guess what? We talk about Scott Varden being told come outside and take a picture. Yes, right. So why did she take this pic? She right. wasn't really taking a picture of the geese per se, right. and just taking the picture. So sometimes we don't even know, and we we feel compelled to take this photo, and then that thing shows up. It almost has like a um, yes. Almost see, see, see how the, the sky looks like it's warped in front of it. Yes. Like a like a, a force field around it. Yes. Yeah. It looks like um, yeah, almost, all the way around. It's yes. It's, it's like white. it's bending the, uh, the the atmosphere around it. It's it's like a ripple. Yes. Holy That's why people when they say, "Oh, it looks all distorted." It's distorting the field around. That's it. That's what it looks like. Yes. Holy. So crap. monsters, we'd love to have you comment Ooh. on this. Tell us what you think, yeah, get and to we'll our follow Facebook up with uh, with Monica and learn more about this. We'll put this on. Our, I'm going to send this to myself now, Ronnie, and then put it on our Instagram too. Okay, I'll do that right now. Awesome. So you can go to our Instagram as well. If it's if you don't have Facebook or whatever, it just might be easier to. It'll be the most recent uh, Monsterland Instagram, and please comment. Let us know what you think. Agree, disagree. Um, go to our Instagram Monsterland Pod, all one word, Monsterland pod. Whoa. What a monster mail. Keep it coming, everybody. Great job. How about a little monster media, producer David? You are listening to the Monsterland podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm coming apart. Now it's time for monster media. All right. Producer Dave checking in here with monster media and the question, uh, Maddie. Yes. And Ronnie, but I don't know if you're a fan, is um, what the hell happened 
in the TV show True Detective. <laughs> it's timely. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I'm going to warn everyone. Spoilers are coming if you yes. haven't seen True Detective season three yet. Yeah, I haven't but, seen season three yet. I love okay. season one, so I got to dive. Okay, into well, it. season three has echoes of of season of one to be sure. But the reason I bring it up on Monsterland is because. Um, Listen, I don't know about season two. I I jumped the uh, jump ship on that one like most, but but both pretend it never happened. Like yeah. the whole massage parlor thing. But season one and season three both had some paranormal elements, and in season three, um, really it's a mystery, and we're trying to figure out what happened to um, Hayes, uh, Detective Hayes, and his partner there. But there were these paranormal clues, mm. and Maddie, as you and I talked about off the air, there's a theory floating about. That so listen, you've, if you've made this far in our uh, chat here, you've seen the show, so you know that um, Detective Hayes sees himself in prior in sort of in uh, prior periods of his life. How would Correct. you say that? They're not really well. Th- I mean, the show is replete with flashbacks, and you got to keep track of three different timelines, which yes. is confusing <laughs> enough. But but what made it sort of weird and made you sort of wonder if what you're actually seeing is happening is. The Detective Hayes from 1990 will peer over his shoulder, and it's actually the Detective Hayes from 2015. Watching himself. Watching himself. Do something. Right. Hmm. And that led to a theory on the internet, which I should give credit. I believe that was a Vanity Fair article. It was. That said, consider the possibility that um, Detective Hayes actually died in Vietnam in the 60s, and what he's seeing is a possible way his life has played out as a way to sort things out. He's constantly searching for the truth. And uh, much like in this article, this is not my idea, this article made the point. If you saw the uh, Tim Robbins movie, um, Jacob's Ladder, mm. it's it's full of, of hallucinations and things. And what you find out is none of it really happened. Tim Robbins actually died in Vietnam. So, yeah. but we don't, I don't know if we need to go that far, Maddie, but tell me, um, your, I w- I'd love to know your reaction being a, a huge fan of the show. I mean, everyone's talking about this. I was, yeah. And I, I, I thought my only critique would be it was I'm always a fan of, as I said to you, show me, don't tell me. And there was a lot of dialogue in this finale. And yeah. they explained the entire mystery through dialogue. Wow. And which at a conversation at a dinner table, which I was not crazy about. It's kind of lazy writing, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. But but that being said, there are paranormal aspects to this season um, his wife keeps appearing to him in ghost form right. mm. and giving him clues and talking to him. And he's never quite sure what's real and what's not because he's having a memory problem. And it speaks to the kind of hazy confusion that someone at that age would go through. Is this a memory? Is this something that I'm remembering now? It's, it's amazing. He'll be walking down a hallway, Ronnie, um, as a young man in 1990, and he'll take three steps and all of a sudden he's old and the house is empty. You know, and and, and he's confused. He's like, wait, my daughter's not... 10 and she's not right there it's mm. very eerie um, and it brings up those questions of how fast a life goes but I don't like the I don't like that option that he was dead the whole time I'm of the opinion that um, perhaps he did die at the end when there's, there's this final scene was sitting on the porch and everything and he kind of connects to the things that meant the most to him the two things that he was probably most fearful about Vietnam which is right. one of the last images you see on the show is him traipsing through Vietnam and he kind of looks behind in the camera and then he goes back to a flashback of him and his wife agreeing to get married. So to me, that meant in the end, at the end of his life, through all this, through all the turmoil, the two things that held him up were that case and what he carried with him from Vietnam. Right. And he couldn't connect to people. So in the end, at the end of his life, sitting on that porch with family and friends around him, he comes to terms with Vietnam and 
connecting with a person, i.e. his wife. And I thought it was really beautifully done. I agree. And, and for once, one of these had a uh, arguably happy ending that he made, he made peace. Yeah. And, what, and, and I said this to you earlier as well, that maybe the, the shot of him in Vietnam was he was a, I forget what you call it in the military. He's, he's a tracker, like a tracker. tracker. Yeah, yeah, right. He's a yeah. tracker. He's looking for things, which symbolizes his whole life. Um, one of the themes of maybe all the seasons of True Detective is these detectives, they get obsessed so much with the case that um, they almost sort of forget why they're so, why, yeah. what the, what they're exactly they're looking for. And we learn they're really, you know, looking for something within themselves. You yes. Know? And so the the Detective Hayes, finally, in the end, he there's a, this moment, it's... Um, when he sees this little girl realizes and, and is very confused and doesn't know where he is and calls his son. And then at some point you see his eyes change. It's a pretty good acting moment. And you realize he's now snapped back from his dementia. Yeah, yeah. And he realizes this is the woman I've been looking for my entire life. And yet he let, he lets it go. Decides to let it go. Right. I'm sorry. I'm lost. Can you just tell me where I'm at? Oh, of course. You're in Greenland. This is Allegra Lane. Oh, thank you, miss. You're welcome. I'll let you get back to it. Thank you much. You're welcome, sir. Incredible. So, so that was. Uh, I think great. the takeaway, the number one takeaway, is how great I would have been in that series. No question. <laughs> one of the cops, and um, no question. I'm going to call my agent right after this. But what you said, what did I read for this? Quick final thought: that the the mm-hmm. a lot of things we talk about the paranormal <laughs> yes. are about. Um, uh, I don't know if time shifting is the right word. That that's more of the the word used in in popular media. But that, you know, that we've talked about how if there are aliens and if there are these beings that we don't quite understand, they don't necessarily experience time the same way we right, do. Right. And in, in, in this particular season of True Detective, it's almost like he's experiencing three different time periods at the, at the, same, at the same time. And, and like in past, doing, present, future are yes, all kind of. Yep. Yes. And it was brilliant. It was a brilliant piece of writing because he, it was his mental condition. It wasn't just a right. show flashing back all the time it was literally his mental condition because he's getting a little senile right the kind of yep. almost not really realizing at what time he's in mm. you know it was really fluid and and beautiful and i thought really well done i still think one is king it is yeah but um two uh, three is right right behind Worthy it. Well, and yeah. and as you know maddie time is a flat circle <laughs> <laughs> well done another example of paranormal in pop culture we are the arbiters of all things oh, paranormal yeah. <laughs> I think the thing everyone talks about is just how incredibly talented I am. I mean, pretty much if you listen to this podcast, you're mm-hmm. going to realize that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any comments. You see, a, you see a show like True Detective, you're thinking the whole time, you're thinking Maddie Blake. No. And it's hard for people. To- oh, wait, are we recording? Oh, yeah. hey, we're, we're back. We're live. Uh, hey, everybody, thank you. Another great episode of the podcast. Why are you laughing so hard? No reason. You're laughing a little too, uh, a little too much. Helium gas. <laughs> From those dust mites. This is called Monsterland, not Mock Maddie Land. <laughs> That's the other podcast I'm starting. It's got a ring to it. I would it listen does. to that. I actually would listen to that. Mock Maddie Land. Oh, oh, wait, no. I fucking live it at my house every week. <laughs> it's called Colleen. Yeah. It's called Yoko and Max. All right. Wow, that digressed quickly. That got too real too fast. That escalated quickly. 
Um, what a great episode. Again, if you missed the special, it's drilling down on History Channel behind the curse. Hopefully more of that to come. Um, and keep these messages coming, everybody. As we said, we want you to drive the content of this show with your stories of the paranormal and your experiences. We will report them. And if you want to be anonymous, we will do that too. Um, we promise you 110%. As a matter of fact, two things are in the work r- works right now. We're going to be mobile with this show and go out. We've been saying it for two seasons now, but yep. it's in the works. We're literally right now waiting for the weather to get a little nicer. That's it. We have two things scheduled that are going to happen. We're going to be out in the field. We just don't want to, there's no need for us to be miserable and freeze our asses off. It's going to be spring in like three weeks. So um, I don't want to say where we're going, but we're cool things are coming up and we will be mobile. Producer Dave's looking at me like, we will? Yeah, we will. (laughs) Get the mobile rig ready, you son of a bitch. I was just thinking the the, the Sasquatches, I don't think, are complaining about the cold, so I don't know why you guys are. Well... Just how it is. We're uh, we're big babies. <laughs> Actually, Ronnie's not. He's t- he's the. St- have you noticed in this podcast? He's the steady hand. I'm like a friggin' Lord help us all. I know. He's just, the steady one in this relationship. Right? So for a listening audience, Matty just did a Kermit the Frog thing with his arms. <laughs> uh, I tend to run hot and cold. High and low. Ronnie's nice and steady down the middle. Thank God for you, Ronnie LeBlanc. For Ronnie LeBlanc, Brian Kano, producer Dave... Thank you again. A great episode, Monsterland. It gets more and more fun every week. It seems to get better and better every week. We are growing by leaps and bounds. Please share it. Please tell a friend. Until next time, when you venture into Monsterland. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at monsterlandpod. Until we meet again in Monsterland. A six foot three transvestite hooker.